Dr. D-Mago. D-Mago. He's like, what you gonna talk about falling out? The D-Mago. Sometimes this shit not even it out. The D-Mago. What up, yo? Welcome to episode 13 of the D-Mac Hour. Um, I'm your host, Donnie Smithful, a.k.a. D-Mac, a.k.a. Slick Boy in the City, a.k.a. really in the suburb, though, but act like he in the city. I, those are two nicknames I just came up with right now. I, I could... I'm indescribable, which means I'm describable in many ways. You know, it's inverse. Um, what's up, man? Y'all had a good week. That was was it cool? Um, were you a uh? What what was the vibe this week? Is is? Cause Broadway is closed, y'all. A somber week. Broadway is closed for 2020. People were trying to say, oh, because Broadway is closed for 2020, uh, that stand-up, that's that's a a sign for stand-up being closed for 2020. And it's like, yeah, but kind of, but, you know, the average age of a Broadway uh, play-goer What's it? What's the play goer, play consumer, play resident? They are also indescribable. I don't know, um, but the average age you got to be like eighty five. That's wild. No, not eighty five. Like what? Fifty five? Yeah, the average age is not the age you want to fuck with with Rona. You know, I don't think it's worth it to see a a play about some shit that. And now Hamilton is coming out on July 3rd. Uh, Y'all, I do not fuck with uh, Hamilton. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, I, I do not fuck Hamilton. Okay, that is the, I would never watch that. You think Jay-Z is a fan of Hamilton? Hmm? Do you think? Uh, I, I think Jay-Z would be as much of a fan of Hamilton as the forefathers would have been of Jay-Z. Okay, so no, not uh, much of a fan. That shit is like, why are we writing rap plays about shit that did not represent America at all? And I'm sure it has the twist. No, but the twist is, and that's what makes it dope. Nah, I'm out. I'm out. I don't care what the twist is. I don't fuck with the bass. Okay? I don't fuck with the bass. So, you know, obviously, I would never work on Hamilton 2. And you always, they're probably going to work on the Hamilton 2. I bet you this motherfucker's writing the Hamilton 2. He's going to just make some shit up again. Okay, so those are my thoughts on Hamilton. <laughs> but Broadway's closed. That that's cool. And now we are uh, looking at this. Uh, what's what's gonna be the the rest of the year, y'all? Are we are we just doing outside for the rest of the year? Is that what's happening? New Jersey was about to open, but then they were like, nah. Because they saw the rest of the country. And if you out there, I don't know, there's a few, there's a bunch of people all over the country that listen to this. You know, it's a few hundred of y'all. And you guys are in different states. And 
you know, some states are like we in Jersey, we out here celebrating right now. And in some states, you're like, what the fuck is going on? We thought this shit wasn't going to get any worse. And now it feels like it just started. And yeah, man, in New Jersey, this shit felt like a dead zone for like four or five weeks. I remember saying that on the podcast like eight weeks ago. I was like, oh, I hope y'all don't have to see what it's like in New Jersey right now later on in your state. I remember saying that. And now, yeah, y'all having to deal with it. And this shit is wild, man. It's a... And you know what's crazy is in New Jersey, we masked up, man. We did that. We, We had that, like, decency. Nobody... I don't know of many instances in New Jersey where you saw, like... I don't mean to use this derogatory term here. Karen... It's so funny how that term became derogatory. Uh, but you 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 didn't see too many videos happen in New Jersey. I didn't see any in New Jersey where somebody refused to wear a mask. I'm sure it happens, but I didn't I didn't see any videos. But you seeing that shit all over the country, man. Yeah, we learned, and that's why we outside right now and chilling. Uh, people shit in New Jersey is kind of lax. You know, I'm like hanging out with five, six friends a night. I don't know how, and we have no clue if this shit is safe or not, but it feels safe, so we doing it for now, you know, and we gonna see what happens. Fuck, man, this shit is whack. Woo! How many times do you guys say that a day? Do you guys, like, stop the day and you're like, fuck, this shit is whack. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's still something that I'm not used to. I think that if you're used to this, it's like, you got to be used to prison or some shit. I think people who went to prison and are now, like, out are somehow at an advantage for the first time. It's like, yeah, you still have trouble finding a job, but you you pretty happy with the way shit is going. It's like now you at a nice prison, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm back home in prison, but also, you know, I can't go anywhere, and also I got like, I could order McDonald's and shit, you know, in this prison that is my home. So that's what's up, you know, good good for people that just got out of prison. I've, you know, y'all have been looking for an advantage for a long time, and there you go. You got one. I think use that shit, you know. Use that shit for good. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm trying to get this unemployment money. This shit is giving me... Headaches, y'all. Oh, man. I'm, I'm seeing the rest of the country get these fat checks, and I'm like, where's my damn check from the government? I need that government cheese, y'all. Government cheese. I need it. And I don't have it yet. So I'm, I'm sitting here waiting for the government to give me my cheese so I can move on with my life. And... Spend it all on a Gucci bag. Ha ha. You think that, uh, what do you think people are going to spend most of their unemployment money on? I think there's going to be some frivolous purchases for sure. I've been seeing people purchasing vehicles. I've seen it. And it's like, you ain't going nowhere this year, dog. Why are you purchasing the vehicle this year? We got we gotta get our purchases in, man. Hmm. Okay. What else is going on, man? Uh besides that, I I've been chilling, man. Uh I've been honestly I, I had a, a pretty good week. We started doing open mics again. I did a few open mics this week. 
you know, there's a few shows popping up. And so a a couple of my friends have been booked on these shows. I think I'm going to go this weekend and check those out and just see, like, what's going on in the city. Um, So, yeah, it it feels like shit is, like, kind of opening back up. It's so funny now, like, if you come from a different state, I think there's 10 states on the list that could be growing by the day. But if you come from a different state now, like, you got to do a 14-day quarantine. I don't know how they impose that. I don't think they can do much to impose that. But now you got to do a 14-day quarantine if you come from states that have, like, a higher than 2% infection rate or some shit like that. Which is like, uh, I think that's that applies to New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. But that's like, you know, how the turntables, son. How the turntables. You know, what else could you say? It's like we was we was sitting in the shit for so long. Y'all was not trying to have us. I, I heard Florida talking shit. Why all these New Yorkers coming down? Now what? Now you trying to come up? Mm. Can't come up over here, son. Oh, uh, this is some goofy, goofy shit. We got to talk about this right here, man. I don't, you know, I know how I initially felt feel about this. So I don't know if it's going to evolve, okay? But so there was this girl, Jenny Slate, who was... Uh, doing a voice for a character on Big Mouth, which is a show about, like, teenagers going through puberty. And it's, like, a, a really funny show that I think has a predominantly teenager audience, right? And, uh, like, maybe young 20s. I, I, I mean, a lot of people watch the show, too. I don't think I th- it's funny. I've seen I've seen episodes of the show. It's funny as hell. So she's voice acting a biracial character. And then she came out with a statement because, you know. Hollywood got to fight the justice, y'all. While we out here signing petitions, while while we out here putting our money up. Hollywood is looking and they're like, what what could we do? To let people know that even though we are racist, we're going to do something to try to correct that. And that's what they did here. She decided, I'm no longer going to voice this character because it needs to be empowered by a black actor. Hmm. That's a, I don't know, man. Is it, first of all, was it the character biracial? What about the white part of the character? Uh, I, look, I do not fuck with defending white people at all. Which is why this particular story has put me in a predicament. But it's like, come on, man. This is, this, and on... So then there was another show, Central Park, which had another similar situation. But then on that show, there's an old white woman being played by a black dude. And it's like, yeah, that guy's going to continue to voice the character. You think black people are losing jobs right now in in that space? Fuck no. If, if, if you are a black person at a job right now, you got to feel like, I could be late this week. That's how I would feel. I'd be like, yeah, I'm, look, I was, I had shit to do, bro. There's shit going on. And I'm sure that, that you know, as a community, people, uh, even as individuals, you probably feel like a sense of pride to be like, nah, I'm, I'm actually going to step it up even harder to just let motherfuckers be on notice. But you know, there's people like me in the community that are like, oh yeah, we gonna, we gonna use this leeway. 
to get an extra 15 minutes on the snooze, you know? Yeah, I don't I, I think that, that shit is a little bit goofy, man, you know? It, it also doesn't solve the issue. I think the issue is, like, even in animation, like, man, I was thinking about this, bro. How many brown characters have you seen in animation? We've been in this country how long? There's a there's a Asian character um in Central Park, right? Which is I, I seen one episode. I don't know if I'm into the show or not yet, but I, I saw one episode. It's an Apple TV show. Um and and the dude's name is Chang. Everyone else is is white or black, and it's like I don't know if y'all been to Central Park. <laughs> you know <laughs> what the fuck is? What are y'all talking about? I think there's uh there's probably a Latino character in there too, probably one or two. I'm not sure. So I you know I think those might be more of the issues. It's like, bro, you can't even let us have fictional characters. I don't care who they're vo- voiced by as much as I have, like, who who are they on the screen? You know, like, I'm looking, I'm thinking about every animated show in America that I, I fuck with, all these adult animation shows. It's like, bro, all the characters are either white, black, or stereotypical. That's straight up, like, what it is, you know? Like, I think they would only hit me up for an animated show to voice a character if it was, like, again, a cashier, you know? I think I'm just limited to the cashier role, you know? So, yeah, I think that's part of the problem, man. I I was, like, also thinking about, like, I guess... And I'm not complaining at all, but, um, like, the, so, you know, y'all, I haven't been, I've been doing stand-up, like, six years, I guess, something like that. I, I think maybe seven years at this point, and I don't know if this year counts, really, actually, so I don't know. So, yeah, seven years, and... I like it takes five years to get your shit going, you know, and so I really just kind of started, I would say, my professional career recently and and shit is like just picking up now, you know, like I was going to have a good year this year, probably make three times as much as I did last year. And now things like kind of shifted and we're working it out. I'm not complaining. Right. I'm just letting you know, this is like my experiences have been limited so far in the game. It's not like I'm a I'm really that in the game, right? And so before I even say that, I had to say this pretense. Now, I do find it kind of weird, right? Although it makes sense, but it also kind of weird at the same time that the two shows that hit me up to work with them, one was Rami, I got to do a, a few lines. Only one made it to the cut, you know? And then uh, there was, you know, Hassan asked me to, or the Patriot Act people asked me to submit as a writer, and I didn't uh, even get an interview, and I, I talk about that later with our guest today is actually a great guest. I'll, I'll int- introduce that later. And so I didn't even get an interview there, but it's like those two shows, they're both like Muslim shows, you know? And maybe that's why they're aware of me, but it's like I haven't been doing predominantly Muslim stuff, y'all. I've been doing colleges. I've been doing regular stand-up shows just like everyone else. I think anybody who sees my material, it's like this guy's not building shit for Muslims. He's building shit for everybody. So it's like, and I don't know Hassan personally, Although I know people who know him and like that, but I know other people, white showrunners like that too. 
And it's just weird that those two shows were the ones to hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, why could it? There's there's four Brown shows on TV. Two of them hit me up already. And there's a thousand shows on TV and none of them hit me up at all that are a lot less successful than those shows. Like those shows are both like really successful in each space that they're in. Patriot Act is a beast and so is Rami. So it's like, bro, you're having cream of the crop of Hollywood shit hitting you up, but then like you can't get hit up by, I, I don't want to dog any show, but you don't. You can't you can't get hit up by some shit that's lower on the rating scale, like a fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes show. Like, yo, we looking for help. We saw your shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just weird, man. It's is it kind of lets you know it's like, oh, you give spots to people you know, right? That makes sense. So it's like, and I said that when. I said that on an Instagram post when uh, Rami came out. It's like, I'm really glad to know Rami as a homie. And he puts his friends in shows because that leads to more opportunities for his friends. And now it makes sense why all those white people were in all those shows. Straight up. You know, it's like you're going to hire your friends, bro. It's like the people you come up with. I, I... and I surround myself by a lot of brown people. So I don't I don't blame white people for only surrounding themselves sometimes. Some white and I'm just talking about some only surrounding themselves with white people. I don't blame that. It's like I I know people like that. That just roll with their own kind. It's just more comfortable for them. But that's become part of the problem now in the representation of our shit. And now it's like, you know, I got to I got to either make my own shit, which I got. Thankfully, I got friends to help me trying to push my shit along the way. I got to make my own shit. But it's like then I thought about that. And I was like, well, what if you make like an animated show about Muslims or, or animated show about just brown people, not like really going hard on the religion stuff and just like. Just brown family in America And they'd like regular You know And I was like Will people watch that That's the other thing Is like Is America interested Are there enough people in America That are not racist Or are open enough To watching that type of show Does that show get ratings Right That's another thing you think about Because uh, you know, and I think that there's barriers being broken now so that these stories come out more. But I don't know if these shows get ratings. I'm I'm just not sure. So yeah, that, I was thinking about this with with all of this, like uh, these voice actors, man. And I'm just like, man, I just rather just see more brown characters. Obviously, I would love to see brown people voice them. And it's like, but the lack of characters already is just startling, bro. Because this shit is made up. Y'all can't even make us up. And and we talking about correcting. Like, the, I thought that shit was so goofy, man, that Hari Kondabalu went, went after Apu. Instead of, like, asking the Simpsons, hey, can I just voice another brown character that you guys can introduce into the world? To kind of like make fun of Apu's voice and stuff too. Like can we fix this? And instead like he got the one character that brown people had killed off. <laughs> and now they have none. You know. And it's like what? That was a goofy move bro. So. You know. I, I always fall. Y'all know where I fall. You already know where I fall. But I, you know. The, the goofy way that people go about to show where they fall and how to get there is, I don't know, it seems a little self-serving rather than serving the the real problem and addressing the real problem. 
but I guess everybody has their own fight. People see light in different ways, and 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 they they feel. But it said if if it felt a little self-serving overall. Yeah. Okay, so uh, today on the uh podcast, I got uh my boy. You know, I think you grow up with people, and especially if you end up doing something in the like kind of kind of cool and there's other people that along the way that are doing the same thing that you grew up with and that's uh today's guest Kofi I've I've known Kofi Jeffy since I was in fifth grade we've been best friends since eighth grade I've regularly kept in touch with him ever since and we've been very very close you know um and he's dope you know, he's an author, he's a poet, he's, like, just a figure in his community at Rutgers for a long time with his fraternity, and then just in the Ghana community, he has, like, his dad is, like, and his family name in Ghana is, like, a big deal, so he's, like, he's cool, man. Kofi is a vibe, and I've seen him grow from just a kid in Cerville, just like me, and we were, you know, so funny. The 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 my first interaction with Kofi was he uh he punched me in the face in fifth grade because I said something negative about his mother, which he was right to do because after years of getting to know Mrs. Genfi, she is a wonderful woman. Nobody should ever say anything negative about her. I think I, he said something. I said, your mama. And then he said, say it again. I said, your mama. And then he punched me in the face and my nose was bleeding. But then they uh, they tried to ask me who did it. And I wouldn't tell. You know, I ain't, I ain't snitching. Because you know what they say about snitches. Snitches. Say it with me, y'all. Snitches. Have no friends, you know. No, I don't, I'm not trying to be. So then, in seventh grade, eighth grade, I think seventh grade. One time, he asked me for the homework, and I didn't give it to him. I was like, "Nah, man, I'm sorry." And then after class, he made fun of me with some other kid. He was like, "This kid said, nah, man, I'm sorry.'" And then they started like goofing off me, you know, and I was they made me feel like a loser, you know? Like they were laughing. <laughs> and then uh pretty soon after that we became best friends. And then uh it was so funny. In, in eighth grade he would try to cheat off me and then in tenth grade, eleventh grade I was cheating off him because he started taking school more seriously than I did. And he he's really dope, man. He's uh he has a book now called uh dark girl and that's a book that he was working on for a long time it's really really powerful book filled with powerful imagery as you'll hear us talk about his dad is like a really dope artist really dope and so he comes from just that type of family you know um so yeah, today's episode is with, with Kofi Jenfi. I think you guys are gonna enjoy it. Uh, you could follow Kofi. I'll put like all his info in the uh, information on the description, and then so if you want to follow him and and just see what he's up to, I would say he's he's actually a pretty dope follow. So I would do that. Okay, so yeah, I th- this was like a really, really fun interview. It's really fun. I think you guys are gonna enjoy it a lot. Um, there's a big familiarity between me and this guy, so I think that shows. All right, so enjoy the today's episode, man. As always, you know, thank y'all for listening to the DMac Hour. Uh, uh, we'll 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 wrap up at the end. Cool. The DMac Hour. Oh yeah, cause sa- sound is very important to you. Oh, it's the only thing that matters, man. It's the only thing that matters. And luckily for us, we get to be recorded. And because we can be recorded, not only, you know, visually, but from an audio perspective, not only can you write and and, and say, you know, 
this is my history. This is my legacy. Not only can you inscribe your own words, but then you can speak it and then they can see you for the rest of life. Oh, man, it's over, bro. It's over. Oh, yeah. You think that people missed out on that back in the day? Like, damn, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know Picasso's voice. Facts. Facts. Man. Man. You think that would add or destroy legacies? This is very interesting. Like, you know, if Picasso sounded mad goofy, would people still fuck with him? You know? Shit, man. I don't know, bro. Yeah. Oh man, I can't rock with you. I can't I can't be on your side no more. At least in the public eye. In the light, I can't say I'm with you, but in the shadow, you might say, Go ahead, play that record on the low. <laughs> Damn, bro. It's it's uh it's good to see you, man. I don't think I've ever seen your home, actually. Yeah, nah, it's 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 definitely a nice work and work of art, man. Oh yeah, I knew you were gonna have some pieces, bro. Are any of them your dad's pieces? Yeah, that's my pops right here. Um that's a montage that Nikkei put together and my pops made that of me. Like mad long ago. I feel like that was in '94. He made that. Dope. Is he still painting like that? Yo, he's painting actually crazy, bro. I gotta show you some of these uh photos he coming or, or these uh paintings that he coming out with. Um, body size, body size, and he's he's going to uh um have a art show as soon as Rona lifts off in uh in Ghana. In Ghana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does he does he get like a little bit of notoriety out there for his work? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. One hundred percent. It's like oh, that's dope, man. It, it, and it's not only the notoriety for the work; it's the notoriety for the man and the name. Oh like, yeah, like I, it it just like oh, I I love this name because I love what he's been doing, the work that he's been putting in. Uh, brick by brick, layer by layer, um, and not only him, the whole entire family, man. Well, that's what I was gonna ask. Is now if like uh, now when you, I know you've been out there and you've done like book book readings, and then you went out there and did a little bit of poetry before. Yeah, and you know, I let people know who who you are before uh, the, I do like my own in, intro to the podcast. So I'll let people know who you are and stuff, but uh do you go do you have like pressure when you go back then? Because <laughs> you gotta live up, you know? Yo, you know what, bro? Let me put it to you like this. I'll never feel like I'm on in in a pressure situation when I'm in my passion. And if I am, it's the it's the type of pressure that Jordan in last game, he he like you you actually assume that position. Um, but I'll tell you what, the last time I went back, because I was coming out with the book release in Ghana, I did it in New Jersey. I did it in Newark, New Jersey in June 23rd, uh, which is almost a year anniversary, a year, a, a week ago today. Um, yeah. uh, that was like on a scale that I never thought it could be on. And what I've learned from that time is that people actually read the book. Um, and I thought it was just going to be a performance of poetry. So I knew that I could do that at the home base because, right, we in, we in New Jersey. It was in North New Jersey. Um, and people came out and they enjoyed the experience. The pressure that I felt in Ghana, oh, my God, bro. Yeah. In my head, I'm thinking, like, I hope, I hope, I hope this joint go because you never know, right? Like, you never know. Well, as, yeah, you're going all. to a different country, even though it's your home country. I would feel the same thing going to do stand up in Pakistan. It's like, Yo. yeah, these are my people, but they didn't grow up with my shared experience. You know, absolutely, absolutely, yeah, man. So we like we 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 built the whole because because of that fear, right? Um, and that and that pressure that 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 game pressure. Uh, I started to think outside of the box. I said, well. It's time that we have a billboard up, not only one, but a couple of billboards that show um, the the dark queen in in her light and in her image. 
um, mm. and have her towering over the uh, capital city. Um, so, mm. you know, that buzz started building up extremely quickly. Um, and then, you know, that, there was a push because it was a year of return uh, in Ghana. So in 1619, as, you know, some people know, the first, and I'm saying quote-unquote, enslaved African was brought to uh, Jamestown, Virginia, um, and, and sold and, and kept as chattel, right? Um, so 2019, that's when everybody went back to Ghana because uh, Ghana was a port um, that, that you know, uh, slaves uh, traveled from or the enslaved people traveled from um, through the Atlantic slave trade, right? So they went to the Caribbeans, uh, they went to uh, Brazil, they went to America when they landed, yeah. right? That's the whole history. Uh, I say all of that to say that that was a a, a huge um, moment in time. That was like the media hitting the earth right quick. Um, and yeah. I just knew that, yes, there were people there that would were having this experience that was, you know, a live experience. But I also knew that there was an opportunity to capture some of them and expose them to the art of dark girl, the book that, you know, I, I wrote, you know, seven or eight years ago uh, or started writing. But I'm going to tell you this, D-Mac, and I, I, I'm going to turn it back to you. Um, I remember vividly asking you because I blew, I, I look at my tour, literally the tour. I built the blueprint off of the conversations that you and I had. And yeah. And what you told me, remember when we was at the Ta-Nehisi Coates, um, the, 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 uh, watching, watching him talk about the water dance. Um, yeah. In New York, I said to you at, and, and, um, I ain't going to say the place because I don't endorse it no more. I said it to you outside <laughs> of that spot, um, that, yo, I, I hope that this joint don't flop, like. I hope that we get people in the in the doors. And you, what you told me was like, yo, don't even put your weight on that. All you need to worry about is that you do everything that you can do before you get to get to the stage. And if you put the work in every single day, meaning that you think outside of the box on how you can get people to get through those doors, if you think yeah. outside of the box of, you know, how you want your performance to live forever. That's the mm. work that you need to focus on. And once you concentrate on that, let everything else go is basically what you said to me. And I internalized that, bro. So when I got on that stage, it was just all about the poetry at that point, man. And I, yeah. I thank you to this day for that conversation, man. Oh, I, th I think that's e easy conversation because I, I even feel that way when, when you put all that work in and you end up like failing. Like, for example, when... I was uh, when they reached out to me to apply for that Hustle Minaj job and I was going hard for 10 days, man. I worked okay. so hard and I just remember I was like when I handed it in, I was like, man, you could not have worked any harder on this. And I didn't even get an interview. You know, I think they give right. the top three applicants interviews. I didn't even get one of those, but I was not disappointed in that because I knew I tried my best. Right. You know, right. And it's yeah, whenever whenever you put across your best, bro, it's like, yo, man, I this is a, a growing experience because you grow through that process of trying your best every day too. not all of us. Everybody says they're going 100 every day, but you really not, because then when it's time to go 100, uh, there is a, a thing that you step up. Right. 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 And so people are like, oh, we're like, oh, uh, why doesn't he play like the playoffs every game? Right. They say that about <laughs> basketball players. And it's like, well, yeah. motherfucker, this is not the playoffs. You know, we talking about practice. <laughs> yeah. Come on, baby. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Which is another reason I, I was thinking about this is how much some of these people get to live by 30. Like you look at LeBron James, that guy has by 35, he's lived a lifetime that has, uh, you know, he's wiser than most 70-year-olds, I would say, because 
he got to live through so many deep experiences over yeah. and over again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I might own, I, we, we, you can might only argue that, that, that number has to be multiplied a, a bit more. He, yeah, he might be right. like, he might, he lived a couple lifetimes. Imagine the stress and the pressure that the average person has to go through in their everyday life, right? Like facts, man. Wife, kids, uh, or or spouse, you know, dog, maybe. Um, and and you're just concerned about putting food on the table. That's really what you become concerned of, uh, of around when you become a man. Like, I that this is one of one of the things that I need to think about as a, a man, right? Yeah. Yo, multiply that by cameras in your face every time you step outside. Multiply that by anything that you say gets intensified. They're going to put the magnifying glass to the sun and make sure put the fire to it and make sure it's fire tested every single time. Nah, man. Yeah. Like you, you could keep you could keep the super fame, bro. I'm good on that. Yeah, is that a is that a decision you've made recently? You know, it's like the su- the super fame has its drawbacks. It looks like, especially if you're outside of the city where you made that super fame. Like maybe LeBron in Cleveland could be a little more relaxed because it's like this is my or Akron rather. It's like yo, this is my home. But he goes anywhere else. It's like it is a big deal. Rome. It's a big deal that LeBron is there. You know, literally, I, I don't know if I would, I don't know, you know, on one hand, it'd be great to be lauded for your work. On the other hand, it's like, uh, you know, I, maybe I would rather just have a comfortable living. Facts. You know? I, I, I thought about it a little bit, man, because you think about how some of these people, you know, that are truly billionaires. And I know you have a, a joke that I love and what you really break down that yeah there are 610 billionaires or so in the US right now but yeah. only six of them are black um, yeah <laughs> but when you think about those billionaires that also billionaires you could be walking by them every day in the street you don't know who they are but they well, live yeah it evolves you do know who they are if they're black oh, you know if because black, but if they're yeah. white Oh, yeah. man, you're just walking right past them. So what I'm saying is I thought about it. I'm good with some local fame. Give me some okay fame. Like, like I am I'm, I'm, I'm local talent. Like respected locally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I, you know, I ain't trying to do too much. If, if I'm going some way, I ain't trying to be in the position in which you hold in a hot lens in front of my face. While I'm just trying to go to the bathroom or the bathtub, come on. Yeah, man. that's a little no. bit much. I agree with you, man. It, it, there is a fine line, and I think that's why you always look at like actors are easy to look at with when they're famous, and it's like, uh, like those are, there's those actors that it's like, yo, you're not that popping for any one thing, but you in a lot of things, and right. they say those actors live the best life. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 Because and, they're like, people will be like, oh, I know you. But then they're not going to say nothing to you because they don't know you. You fact, know? Fact. <laughs> yeah. But in, in the same vein, we say all of that, right? Like that whole local talent. But as an artist, oh, man, we know that we truly, like, we truly want that art to be multiplied and celebrated. While By we're the whole here. world. Well, yeah. yeah. While, while we're here. And then yeah. forevermore, right? So yeah. with that, you know, comes the 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 true fame at least you have to step into it at some point in time man yeah how do you think we're going to celebrate you know cuz the artists that we've celebrated so far have there have not been many artists that died in the video era that was a very interesting point you brought up earlier bro there had you know we're going to go down with artists that pass away like when joe rogan passes away i'm not i hope it's not for a long time, right? Even though I don't agree with a lot of things he says, but I think the guy does pretty important work for that genre of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And when he passes away, you're going to have archived like 
what six seven thousand hours of his conversations you know how how will they live easily 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 and we we don't know right now because right as of now we are in a we are we are what we think is the apex of internet in our minds right like in our in our interactions yeah, how could we and, imagine anything else? Yeah, you know, it's going to go extremely higher. And I think at some point in time, there needs to be a recalibration just to say, like, all right, this is what is respected and this is what is normal. Every epic in history has people that kind of control that dynamic. Um, but to tell you the truth, though, man, I think it's like back to not being only able to write something down because obviously I have a son now. Right. Yeah. And knowing that I can write to him, but also that this conversation, he'll be able to pick up, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Um, when he's 30, he can now know that this is straight from the person himself. Right. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like Tanahasi Coach book, Letters of My Son. You know, it's it's the Facts. same. Yeah, Facts. between the world and me. Yeah, um, yeah, man. That that this shit is is really dope. Actually, uh, I'm really intrigued by that, man. To see how this is going to evolve, we're gonna have. And you're right. There are gonna be like, you know, what I think is gonna evolve, man. I think like there's gonna be a family podcast. <laughs> you know, like like uh. <laughs> You know, you have your 60 family members, maybe 80, 90 family members in your extended family. And that family is going to have like a podcast that they have for themselves, Ooh, <laughs> you know, I like that. I like that they're going to like, yeah, and they're yeah. going to communicate with. And then they have like a thing that as time goes on, this is like your family lineage. Exactly. You know, that's how much exactly. I think podcasting is going to grow all the way to that point Exactly, because you know? you're starting to see it with. Like uh, Avast opened my eyes when he was like, "Yeah, my my uh, medical school, my the the school or hospital I'm gonna be a resident at, they have a podcast." And I was like, "Oh, and it's like it's an internal podcast." <laughs> Do they have that at the uh, day job? Do they have a podcast in, yeah, at your day well, job? Well. I'm sure they do. I, I, obviously, yeah, yeah, they have a repository of everything, repository of media um in every facet right and we have internal documentation that that's like a central repository that's for us um yeah so that that's gonna i think it's gonna continue to families man i think we're gonna yeah which is gonna be dope because then you're gonna have a lot of information about like the next era is gonna have a lot of information like there's gonna be no reason to get the history wrong (laughs) <laughs> that time yeah. you know yeah. it's not going to be up to interpretation by these 12 books that are going to be no like you can go and get this stuff you know if it's archived correctly absolutely exactly man and that's why yeah. information is so valuable right now right yeah not only do you have to create it but as yeah. you're saying it has to be archived. Make sure your folder structure is set up straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then somebody has to do a good job of archiving all of this shit moving forward. You know, for for a uh like whatever use they're gonna have it for. You know, other, any kind of humanity uh humanity studies or whatever. You know, facts. Um, uh. uh Damn, we already been talking for twenty minutes, man. I haven't, I haven't uh, I caught time. up with you I got in a while. Time. Yeah, I know time flies when we talk. Can, um, can I ask you about? Uh, you know, we went and we saw Coates. Like, I think in November, it was November twenty first. We went and saw, him, you know, right. and then four months later, this like world flipped upside down type shit you know right like we were both on on rides as this thing was coming you know i was about to take my ride you were gonna take your ride and we were both like yo we'll see each other at the top type shit 
and let's Fact. help each other along the way. Yeah. You know? And now this has happened and you know, COVID fucked everything up. But then this movement happened. Right? Black Lives Matter happened because of this like just horrendous fucking event. And then after horrendous fucking event, after horrendous fucking event, you know, like all right. these events happened mm-hmm. and then it created this movement. And now you're so it's like COVID, I think, made people, especially black people, people of color. It, it made everybody feel hopeless. But now I think there is some hope uh for like the future, you know, I look at like my friends who are black creators and I think that they see more opportunities today than yesterday. Is that how you're feeling about the situation? Like, are you feeling hopeful that there's going to be more opportunities for you to get your shit across after this? Or is it you think it's going to be y'all going to be on this vibe for two months and then we're going to go right back to it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think from my position as it stands right now, I don't have that hope in America. I because mm. I've only seen evidence that would show me otherwise, right? Like, yeah, my, it, it's only slavery by another name. Right? Right? Yeah, it's called you know, prison. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's called prison, but it's it's it permeates in so many other industries that it's not just a physical location, but it's the incisions that you occur over time by having to assimilate into a white culture um, that that can write history, rewrite it to their advantage. Um, I'm only saying this because, yes, I see you know, statues being torn down. And yes, I'm seeing Black Lives Matter being painted on streets, which which, when when you're looking at that, it is dealing with one thing. It is dealing with the morality of man and having them have to confront um, racism in terms of what it is from an ideology perspective. Yeah. When you're talking about systemic, and systematic racism you need to go twice as hard legally in in enacting laws writing laws then enacting them that are protecting the lives of black people specifically full stop yeah what what does that mean right In, in in terms of economic equity it's directly tied to that. It's directly tied to, I don't want to hear nothing about diversity and inclusion. I want to hear about diversifying my investments because when we're looking at those conversations, diversity and inclusion is what I'm going to hand to you, black boy, versus diversifying my investments, meaning I'm I'm coming to the table with you and I'm giving you, you know, value in which I need to receive a return on my energy and a return on my investment within a manner that I'm compensated appropriately. If yeah. I represent 13 to 15 percent of the population of America, then I need to see 13 to 15 percent of my leadership board, my executive leadership board. Yeah, being able to a seat at the table. That's what I not we're only looking for seat, here. We need the seat. We need the table. We need the house. We need we need it all, right? We need equity within it all because it's not just the seat at the table. The seat at the table is, I you know I've invited you here, right? The building of the table, or at least the the ability to build the table. That's what we're talking about, like. Give us yeah. the same opportunity to build the table, to build the house, to build our kingdoms, right? Well, there was this critique. I think I've shared this critique with you uh, made in the 90s. I forgot by who, but it was uh, a leader in the black community at the time that said the biggest problem with black people in the 60s 
was instead of trying to figure out how to get in front of the bus, they should have just bought their own damn bus. Yeah. 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 You know? And it, if, well, in, in to, to, you know, extend on that, we, we did have our own buses. Um, yeah. They, they tore that whole busing system down. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That's like, and, and that's exactly what it is. is anytime they have built something, it's been burned down. So, you know? so when I look at the evidence, D-Mac, why should I be hopeful in, in whatever America is deciding to do right now? I don't, don't, I'm not hopeful yet because you're tearing down statues and, and you're, you're painting on streets. Yeah, it's not enough. It's, it's not even the beginning. <laughs> It's no. not even a beginning because it's not anything real. It's not rooted. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nothing actually. Doctrine. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not nothing. rooted. It's, it's written on the street. When the rain comes, <laughs> it's gonna wash away. It's not written in any doctrine, bro. Yeah, you're right. Nah, Yo, you're write not, it on the. Uh, oh, that's a bar, Cove. They can write it on the street, but they won't write it in a doctrine, though. Facts, that's man. a bar. Oh man. Facts, man. Yo, you you facts, use that and, and, and tell the people that that's 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 better, man. Oh man, whoever needs to use it first, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have to be reiterated until people understand, bro. Yeah, that's a be- fact. Because don't get look, we you, they hit you with the smoke and mirrors. They hit you with the smoke before Christopher came and invaded. He told you, yo, if you don't yeah. give me everything, if you don't if you don't give me everything, we gonna black this whole bitch out. <laughs> He's be, wild, bro. It's gonna be it's gonna be and then so the eclipse comes. And when the eclipse comes, the the, the Native Americans, the indigenous man starts giving Christopher everything because he thinks that, you know, um, his gods are are going to attack him. Come on, man! You hit us with the smoke and mirrors already, man. Yo, yeah. just just write it in, write it in, and stop. Yeah, you know, write it in. Black people in in allies, <laughs> allies. Yeah, yeah, stop, yeah. Stop being so easily manipulated, man. Demand demand real, tangible change, written in doctrine. Get what you want. What do we want? Equity. Where do we want it? Within housing. What do we like? We what do we want to get out of jail? But not only get out of jail, get out of your slavery system in your cycle. Well, here's a another you know I that that idea of the billionaires and you know the one I've talked to you about that plenty. What do you think about the NBA right now, man? You got this league that's so... I mean, now it's getting mixed with more European players, too. But I think, you know, it's still, like, predominantly black. I think it's 65% black. And it's like the ownership is, what, 3% black? And it's like Kyrie Irving said this, and nobody took him seriously. He's like, yo, we should just start our own league. Which is what I've been saying for years, right? Ain't nobody trying to watch a white NBA or a white NFL. You know, nobody is trying to see that, you know? So it's like, is that you? I think people would still watch, right? Like, is that a thing that they should be thinking about? I would support this, man. Yo, yo, yo. So I'll start here, man. I've been reading this book called uh, Nobody Knows My My Name by James Baldwin. And in it, he talks about what the majority versus minority truly means. And in the same vein, we're talking about what is predominantly a black league, 65 percent versus 35 non-black. If you even have if you flip the numbers, if the league is not even flip. Let's say the league is 20% black people and 80% non-black. The league the 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 league still builds its its benefactors its 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 uh system on the black body because yeah. they are the majority. They are 
what is predominant. They are where the influence lives. When you when we tend to think about majority and minority and predominance and not 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 their other is one is in the power of how many people but the truth is the majority and predominance lives within the people that have the power so right. i guess what you're saying is like we should look at what seat what what's a seat at the table dependent on the industry absolutely right? So it's like in the music game, you guys have all the, I don't, I don't know what, what the executive breakdown is at all, but I'm, I would guess, you know, I don't even know what the musical breakdown is by ethnicity, but say basketball, we should have 65% black owners. That's what you're saying. No, I wasn't even taking it that direction. Uh, but I, I think if, again, if the, if, uh, if we are 15% of the population, we should then, be 15% okay. of that executive leadership or, exec- or, or, or owners. Because I, I kind of feel like if you're 65% of the industry, I think we should look at it by industry, bro. Because it's like, you know, if I should be able to own the industry that represents me, you know, like... Facts. I ain't gonna put a cap on it. Then you, you actually <laughs> right. And, and to your point, though, and to your point, in in terms of the players themselves, should they start their own league? Absolutely. Yeah. Just just see how far the ball push things. If I put yeah, right. Sneakers, look, like he put a lot of pressure on. Next, he showed people what is possible. Now, the thing about the league is that if you have a handful of players, if you get the top. If you get Braun, Kyrie, KD, Giannis, Giannis it's over. It's already it's, over. It's it's Harden, you know, Russ. If it, you if yeah, you get it's over, players, bro. If you get like ten of them, bro, come on, son. Everybody's going to watch because you have to. You have yeah. to. Yeah. And, and now they have the power. I think absolutely they can do it. You can't do it, and it, it'll be a tougher sell in the league in the NFL because there's just so many players. Like there's so many that, but they have even a higher percentage of black players. That's what's crazy because there's no European talent coming into the NFL. So the only reason the NBA is getting less predominantly uh, black is because there's European players coming. There's no white Americans breaking into the league now. There's not an influx of white guys that are getting nice, you know? Like, it's Jokic that's taking, like, some spots away from black players because that's who would have been there, you know? And, and yeah, yeah, I think I, I peeped that over time. But then, also, that's why the players need to demand their money. And not only their money, their equity, like up yeah, front, up front, up front. Yeah, you're right. So even if you're not, if you don't have your own league, you still have equity in the league in which you, you're playing for, right? Like you want to be in the Hova type position, right? Like, yeah, also, you're right. Past players should own part of the NBA team, man. On, on, it's, on a it's, substantial it's, basis, right? Like, yeah. Because some people come back in due time. And, and well, hope. you know, The Rock owns part of the WWE. I never knew that. But one of my cousins worked at the finance department. The Rock gets paid more than any WWE superstar still wow. today. You know, I didn't know that. Okay, Kof, I've had you here for 35 minutes, man. I usually don't do this. It's just so easy to do, bro. Thank yeah. you so much, man. For sure, bro. For sure, man. Anytime. It's always um, a pleasure. Yeah. D- d- uh, obviously, I tell people where they can watch you and follow you. I'll tell them about the whole shade room situation, you know, about <laughs> that, that was so cool. But do you have anything um, that, you, you know, what? what's uh, something that you're working on right now, I guess? Yeah. So right now I'm working on the audio book for Dark Girl. 
Um, Darko is okay. a book of poetry. You 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 do the whole entire bit, right? I'm sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll plug it for <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, but Darko is a book that again I wrote. Uh, it took me seven years to write, and now I'm entering the phase in which I'm adding the audio book to it, um, and I'll put that out on Amazon uh, this year. And then after the book comes the album. Um, hey. the first poetry album that I'll put together, it'll be an EP. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so oh, that's great, man. Make it, man. Hell yeah. Okay. So I, I'll plug where they could buy the book for now and then they'll be on the lookout for the audio book. Dope. Thank you so much, man. This was such a great interview for real. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you for sure, bro. Okay. Dope. I'll talk to you later, man. The D-Mac out. Yo, that's the episode. Um, thank y'all, man, for listening. I appreciate y'all, as always. Uh, if you liked the episode, just, you know, share it with a friend. And if you didn't, you know, share it with a friend. Either way. All right, we'll be back next week, man. Mad love. Love y'all. See you soon. Peace. The D-Mac out. Out. It's like, what you gonna talk about falling out? The D-Mac out. Sometimes this shit not even it out. The D-Mac out.